Hello, my name is Sarah Rosa Davies, and you're listening to the Split Tooth Podcast Network. Today, on this episode of Split Picks, we're going to have a conversation about two X albums, but first, I'd like to talk about how we're doing. I'm here with Nick and Craig. Hey, Nick, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Craig? I'm all right. I'm a little tired, a little sick, but you know. Yeah, you kind of been sniffling the entire time we were setting up and stuff. I've been up late a lot this last week and a half, but it's been worth it. A lot of good concerts, so. How many have you been to in the last week? Well, going back two weeks, I saw Casey Neal and the uh, Norway Rats. He's a Portland musician, often plays with Scott McCoy in the Minus Five. Then last week, Sarah, so we went to see Julian Baker, Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus. I cried for half the show. Yeah, between songs, you started crying. (laughs) That was what threw me. (laughs) Um, yeah, I saw the Young Fresh Fellows do their first show since Scott McCoy's stroke, and that was awesome to see. And then the next day, I saw one of my heroes, Tootie Cole, from Dead Moon play for the first time, and she was part of a thing with Lonnie Hawley, who's another great musician who Daniel just interviewed for Split Tooth. He's just a super interesting guy who just improvises a new set every night. It was incredible to see. And we're here today to talk about X, who is another band I saw. And good Lord, they are something else live. I mean, Sarah, so we saw them two years My freshman year, yeah. Yeah, and that was a great show. Somehow in that two-year stretch, they have gotten so much better. We know they're a punk band from the 80s, but how long have they been making music? Uh, Last year was their 40th anniversary tour. They formed in 1977 in Los Angeles, California, and they've been, you know, they've taken some years off in that stretch, but for a good portion of that, they've been X, and when they weren't X, they were playing together as the Knitters, Uh, John Doe, uh, DJ Bonebreak have played together in the Flesh Eaters. I mean, they've, John Nexine do all sorts of stuff. I mean, they play around fairly regularly and x is just they're the band like that's what they're on this earth for and when they're on a stage it's just incredible to see today's matchup is wild gift their sophomore album from 1981 and more fun in the new world from 1983 let's get into it you guys ready absolutely all right find out about x craig x was a band i actually didn't listen to for a while i remember my brother again he always seems to be the the key here um he found out about their first album los angeles and it was one that just sat on our ipod and i don't think either of us really listened to it for probably two years i feel like they're a band we just needed a reason to listen to them, and it didn't really come until we watched uh, the documentary The Decline of Western Civilization, Part 1. And it's just a great documentary about the Los Angeles punk scene, and X's live performances were just breathtaking. And they're a band that, once they click, they're a part of you forever. 
it, it makes me sad that not everyone loves this band like I do because they're one that I think does just need a click and most people haven't gotten to that point or just don't want to. And it's, ah, it's got to click. <laughs> I just think it's interesting that like, for instance, you found out about X kind of by proxy through, through Brett. And then I found about them through you. Nick also found out about them through you, if I'm correct. Right, Nick? That's right. Yeah, no, I, um, Craig, you and I were hanging out one day and you were like, oh yeah, you should listen to X. They have this really great album i think we actually watched uh the decline one together i think so yeah i think we all watched that for the first time together uh yeah you were super interested in the germs so i, I was that's why yeah you wanted to watch it yeah i was really into their they have like two songs that are really good and then the rest isn't so great <laughs> then yeah x was easily like no comparison the best band on that documentary maybe except for black flag and i'm taking x over black flag <laughs> it's it's a tough conversation because like because they weren't henry rollins black flag yet it was before henry rollins joined the band so That's it was true yeah so it was uh they were still very much in a in a young phase um but yeah they were by far and away the best band musically yeah x x is the only band in that documentary that like you could pick out in like a police lineup sound wise absolutely they just have a sound no matter what they're playing you know it's them and that's something that you know every band wants but like black flag like if we're being honest how many bands sound like black flag a lot a lot but x it's like oh yeah they're drummers that do to also play xylophone and vibraphone okay billy zoom used to play with etta james like what they had the most personality yeah. of all of those bands and, and it, the most identity yeah and at the center of x though is john doe and xine cervanka i mean they were married at the time and i love the story that john tells in that movie he's like yeah billy and i had started a band and i was like hey i'm gonna have my girlfriend join because she was a poet and billy zoom was like yeah right that's gonna work out and then xine came to the first practice and he was just like you're in this band <laughs> Yeah, and she's so powerful too. I love her her vocals, especially on the specific album "Wild Gift." <laughs> yeah. I I remember when you I think I found out about them through you because you were like, "Have you listened to X?" And I said, "No." And you said, "They're playing soon. You should listen and come to the show." And I was like, "All right." And I I listened to more fun in the new world first, but I remember kind of returning to Wild Gift after the show just because I was so amazed at at their ability to create music for a specific moment for that for that time in LA scene but also that kind of transferred back into you know 2016 like they're they're a really timeless band in a really interesting way but they're also really of their time and part of it is kind of like they have that vaguely retro sound that retro rock and roll sound that kind of I think really helped elevate them above a lot of the other LA punk bands because it wasn't just like constant power chord thrashing or mindless yelling or weird synthesizer stuff can we just dive into wild yeah, yeah let's do it i was gonna say so, let's get more specific going off of that i mean x opened the show with beyond and back both times i've seen them they've opened with that and you know you're expecting like punk rock but then they come out with this just rockabilly riff and then john doe's just doing like a pretty melodic bass line and then xine comes in singing it's just like this is punk question mark 
Yeah, I was going to say it has that punk core and a lot of my favorite punk groups are groups that don't necessarily have that typical like power chord punk sound. Like a lot of my favorite ones, punk groups have more to them than just that, you know, and I think the rockabilly thing is a really important part of X too, and especially a part of this album, I think. I think what you're saying is that the best punk groups evolve. Yeah. But these guys pretty much came out of the gates fully formed. This is their sophomore album, and it doesn't sound like a sophomore album, or at least our concept of what a sophomore album is today. Yeah, and to piggyback off of that, um, all of the best punk bands take the punk mold and then fit themselves into it while also reshaping it. And I think... I think that's most present on Wild Gift. I think Wild Gift has some of that, the best fusion of the rockability and uh, rockabilly and the punk set. Yeah, I mean, right out of the gates, like song two is We're Desperate, which is about as punk as X gets. And then they play adult books. It hints that this album is not just straight up punk. And I mean, Raymond Zark of the Doors produced Los Angeles. These guys were different from the start. I love the song White Girl. I was going to ask what your favorite yeah. songs are, but my specific, I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm a white girl, but that song on the album really stands out to me as something that maybe hints at what's to come in their other albums, but also is very much of a wild gift. Well, I think that's an important song because how many women were in punk bands that at too. that point? Yeah. And here comes Xene just like, I'm doing this deal with it and she's yeah. very very good at well it. and as a woman in music i hate being like yeah i'm a woman in music but there is something about Xene being so unabashedly like herself and oh, yeah. i think that's something we see a lot of and people criticize it i think about her as this amazing like front woman almost you know i think her and john doe are at the center but she her vocals really take power you know they're they're the center of a lot of the songs for me and i white girls may be a good example of that she has like this gritty, ugly sound to her voice, but it still sounds perfect for the song. And it's yeah. and it's very melodic and very and like you can he- like you said earlier, you can hear out of a lineup, she is so recognizable. Right. And then you throw John Doe in with her. I don't know if there's a group I enjoy hearing sing together more than John and Xene. They can sound beautiful together. They can stretch it so it's just kind of uncomfortable. Like whiny almost. Yeah, and then they can just do dissonant, weird, overlapping lines that just have that way of taking a song where no one else would take it. And together, it's just so powerful. Their voices together make them, like, they're such a good team. But I think the best thing about their vocals is the way they trade off like especially in we're desperate which is my personal favorite song on this album i mean xene starts it she's pretty much just screaming and then the second verse john's singing lead and then xene just adds these harmonies that are just kind of out of tune but they're just so great <laughs> yeah my favorite moments are when her and uh john doe sing really fast together you know like yeah. they spit out those lines <laughs> yeah. really quickly those are my favorite moments because i'm always just like well hold on hold on they're like just barely off from each other and so like i'm trying to pick pick out what they're saying i'm like oh i think i got a word i'm not sure but it sounds so cool what are the strengths of this album uh let's just uh billy zoom is just the strength of the band 
as a whole. That man is incredible. I We haven't talked about him yet, and that guy can play the guitar like no other. He makes these riffs that should sound kind of old and dated, kind of the rockabilly sound, and he make he gives it so much energy. Like when I hear a rockabilly song or that kind of thing, I always kind of roll my eyes and kind of go, oh God, here we go. It's hard not to be skeptical. Exactly. <laughs> but then he starts playing it, I'm gripped immediately. Like he, he like his tone is just so it's so dirty, but it's you can hear every note perfectly, and it's just I am so envious of how he plays guitar. It's it's really something else. Uh, yeah, I was right in front of Billy Zoom when I saw them, and that Gretsch he has. I've never been much of a Gretsch guitar fan before. They're just like, where do I buy one? Yeah, <laughs> isn't it silver? He's or... got. It's like a maroon red now. Oh, okay, because um, I remember in the documentary it was silver and it was like glittery too. I yeah, think, and it, yeah. and he was just like smiling and at all the punks oh, in the crowd. He just and, winks at everyone. Yeah, and it's and so it's, great. Yeah, I remember we saw him playing in the documentary and he was yeah like he said he was winking at people in the crowd and he was just like but he was just shredding and like holding perfectly still and smiling and. I remember it was just such a contrast to like the moodiness and the angriness of everybody else. I was just like, I love this man. Like I want to be, I want to be Billy Zoom. I think the thing that stood out to me today when I re-listened to this album, because I noticed, you know, live, obviously you're focusing on the guitar solo, but on this album, they never loop a rhythm track for him to solo over. Whenever he solos, it's just, John Doe playing the bass and then he's just soloing. There's nothing hiding the solo. Like they're a four piece band in the truest sense where there's no overdubbing like extra parts. What you see on stage is what they did in studio on this album, but it just makes the solos that much more impressive when you strip away everything that normally supports the solo and it's just there in front of you. Like I'm a bass player. I always listen for the bass. And it also by doing that, you listen to John Doe more. And he is such an intricate bass player. I was going to say that's intricate is a great way to put it because I, I really pay attention to his bass lines. And as someone who isn't necessarily super into bass lines all the time, I heavily pay attention to that part of the song because of how intricate and how specific his playing is. Yeah, just watching him this time, it's like how much of the neck he covers just so quickly, but it it's never flashy. John Doe's not going for the, like, I play notes. It's like he fills the space to the max. Yeah. And it's just every bass line is so different. You know, especially with early punk, the thing that sets John Doe apart, most people are just playing, you know, down notes, just eighth notes, but, you know, he's playing, like, really cool like triad riffs and just all sorts of just melodic things that help the guitar jump out you know especially when Xine's singing and there's interesting stuff going on under her it yeah it's just so hard not to be just totally gripped in their music he actually plays his instrument yeah and that's the real difference between a great band and a mediocre one is do they know how to really play their instrument yeah and i i gotta just we've talked about how great they all are but so far, DJ Bonebreak has gone unpraised. True. Um, this guy, like, I just remember there's a part in, it may be the X documentary, um, I think it's called The Unheard Music, but there's a part where he's just, like, in the kitchen drumming, 
and he's like explaining how polyrhythms work. Okay, not only do most punk drummers probably not know what a polyrhythm is, but like he's just doing this in his kitchen right now, and then he goes and plays a vibraphone, and he's just like playing along to radio jingles. But yeah, he just plays this weird pattern in We're Desperate that it's not just like riding the hi-hat cymbal until the chorus changes to crash cymbals. He just navigates through the snare and the toms, and then once the chorus comes, it's just a few quick hi-hat hits and then a pause, and then more snare. It's a great way to describe the drums on that song. I would have never thought to describe that kind of pause, but that is definitely there. That definitely contributes to just how great that song is. Yeah, And part of being a really good musician and knowing and really contributing to a song is knowing when not to play. Yeah, I mean, Neil Young still has one of the greatest solos of all time with, you know, Down by the River. He plays the same note for half the solo, like the one note solo. And there's also something to be said about just silence, complete silence, where there's maybe a beat or two of just silence and then the music comes again in full force. And I think there's something really cool about that too. There's letting the other instruments have their spotlight and then also letting silence reign. And I think that's something X does really well too, is letting the songs have space. Let's get into final thoughts on Wild Gift. From the very first few notes, I was I was here for it. I, you know, they started and I was like, okay, all right, I'm in. And I think that's the mark of a great album. And that's what you need in order to be a great band. And I, I'm probably going to listen to it again when I get home. Yeah, I mean, just from the once over twice on down, like, this album just never lets up. Like, it has a few slower moments, which... I don't think is a bad thing at all in punk songs. I know like a lot of, especially the LA punk, which is a lot more hardcore than, you know, I'm not much of a hardcore punk guy. This is a more dynamic album than anything you'll ever find with Black Flag. Or I mean, even if you listen to the first few seconds of each, it's like, you know what this song is. They're fully encompassed thoughts. Yeah. I think most people say Los Angeles and Wild Gift are the two best. But then again, I'm always like, but have you heard the next two? Like, (laughs) the first four are great. Yeah, I mean, I think this is them at the top of their game. So I think that's probably a good pausing point. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a break and we'll get back with more fun in the new world after this. So following Wild Gift, X released Under the Big Black Sun, which I think is another great X album. Most critics seem to think that's where they started to take a departure into you know less interesting stuff. But I really enjoy that album. It's a darker one because that's when Xine's sister died. And so it's got a lot of songs about her sister. And yeah, but then they moved on. 1983 they released more fun the new world their fourth album more fun the new world's interesting because i think it has the best song they wrote as a band and quite possibly their worst so nick i'm gonna throw it over to you what are some standout tracks right out of the gates oh uh, absolutely the new world new world is wonderful i think it has those trademarks that they'd become known for of just like xine and john 
just meshing so well together vocally. And what a great way to start the album, though, just with that snare hit, just the suspended downbeat. Yeah, yeah, and it just, like, I love the way the cymbal sound on there. I, I'm not sure how to describe it, but it sounds like rain, almost. It's just so hypnotizing, almost. Yeah, I just think it's really just a perfect meshing of all of their great trademarks. I want to say it's their first song they play in 6-8 time. Cause it's using you know, out the waltz pattern to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I can't think of any others off the top of my head, but yeah, I mean the way he rides the ride symbol is it does just fit funny, and then the strumming pattern on the guitar too just kind of it's almost like a washing sound. I also like the second track. We're having much more fun. I was gonna say I like John Doe and Exine's voices together on that one too. Them going, we're having much more fun. I don't know. Something about that song also has. I, I don't know what the other musical influence is, but there's something else there besides punk, too. I don't know what you guys think it is, but I don't necessarily think it's rockabilly. No, but Billy is doing really interesting, just like letting the chords ring out, you know, because it's not just like a fast attack. It's especially in the chorus, you know, the power chord just we're having much more fun. And then he attacks it again. It's just like leaving space to then collapse it back down on itself i felt like on this album in particular they were at their best when they slowed it down a little bit or they changed the tempo up from the classic rockabilly thing that's true yeah like we'll get to this song in a minute because i want to i want craig to talk about this the most um but with i must not think bad thoughts i think they were absolutely really on their game and it's at them at their best when it's slow so yeah, with I Must Not Think Bad Thoughts, they they slowed it down and they changed up it changed it up. And I think that to speak for this album as a whole, that's when they were at their best on More Fun. I think that slow growing sound that they do with I Must Not Think Bad Thoughts really creates a lot of like really intense tension and kind of beautiful tension almost as well. Like the guitar sound on that song is just so calm and light before obviously it starts to pick up. I was going to say, I must not think bad thoughts is the first song I ever heard by X because I remember recording a podcast with you after Trump was elected in 20 November, 2016. And it was our songs to process the election results. And that song hit my mood at that point. So eerily it was like it, the politics of it are so interesting because it almost transfers to now too. I mean, Craig, you can speak to this a little bit more, but you were the one who chose the song in the podcast. What impact does it have to you now? So before that, I just want to say, uh, Nick, going back to what you were saying about X slowing it down a bit, they really started to hone their chops at slower songs on Under the Big Black Sun with Come Back to Me. But yeah, they took it to another level with I Must Not Think Bad Thoughts. They really figured out how to make the words, the forefront of the song. But I mean, DJ Bonebreak plays this excellent vibraphone part and it's just kind of eerie. Like it's almost, it's kind of an uncomfortable song and it really kind of feels like the process of an anxiety attack because it starts so calm, just like, we're okay, you know, we're doing all right. And then just, oh no, I must not think bad thoughts. Like whatever happens, just don't think about the bad things in life because it's so easy just, you know, become anxious and then you know and then it just builds up to this crazy peak and then just plummets 
I and think that describes it perfectly. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's I, yeah. I kind of I felt that for a second. It's yeah. It's just riding a roller coaster, and then, you know, I I thought it was weird that, you know, they mentioned all these bands in it, like were the last American band be played on the radio, like because you know X was never a big radio band. Uh, <laughs> I understandably for certain reasons. Yes, but then there's this part where they just start shouting out their friends' bands. You know, what about the Minutemen, Flesh Eaters, DOA, Big Boys, Black Flag, and it for some reason just resonated with me, with me why they do that. And so they're saying, here's all just this terrible stuff in the world, and then they're shouting out their friends like these are the people who are actually like standing up for what they believe in, but they're getting almost zero recognition for it. And, you know, the Minutemen are probably my second favorite band. And the fact that they will never be on the radio is horrible to me because they are the type of band who changes lives. And that's what X is saying here. Like, look around the world. Like, just, it's kind of the same as right now. Like, just look around. There's a lot of terrible stuff happening. And when I have a terrible day, like, I listen to music. And these are the people who make life better, but they don't get praised for it, you know? And this song just somehow encompasses all of that, just saying like, wow, (laughs) you know, it's not just like, oh, middle fingers to the government. It's actually saying, okay, we live in America. When they drop bombs on other countries, like, that's our tax money. You know, there's that great last verse, my soldiers, my planes, my money, my guns, all that stuff, and then I think that's what leads up to them talking about the bands. And so it's like, (laughs) here are these conflicts overseas, thousands of people are dying, but what about the Minutemen, you know? (laughs) And it's just such a weird thing to do in a song. And it's tracked with a vibraphone in the background, and John Nexine just never quite meshing, you know? It's just, again, that wavering vocal thing where it just feels like a panic attack is coming. It's like their their vocals like braid together, but then they don't completely come together. It's that Yeah, they harness the dissonance so well. It's just amazing to me that that song can so encompass then and can so encompass now. Like there's a lot of time in between that obviously wasn't the same, but again, that's why I love X so much is because their music is applicable for very specific times. <laughs> I must not think bad thoughts. Um is something that I have told myself, not necessarily in so many words, but uh, I've definitely had those moments where I'm just like, I can't think about that right now. I can't think about that right now because if I think about that right now, I'm not going to get anything done today. Yeah, like you said, the buildup into the uh, panic attack of an ending is something that definitely, definitely is is very relatable for a lot of people, and I, I definitely feel that as well. And trying to tell yourself to just keep going is sometimes so incredibly hard. Songs like this very eloquently and very tastefully and respectfully convey that. There's something about a song that's about negativity that tells you to be positive. And punk is so easy just to talk about, like, ah, topple the government. But this isn't really doing that. And I think having a song this strong in the middle of a record, it throws the rest of it off. Absolutely. Because how do you follow this song? 
it's also how do you proceed it then because you have a song two songs before it like make the music go bang which is kind of cheesy kind of kitschy in my mind it you know it's a little goofy but if you take out the chorus of make the music go bang if you rewrite the chorus i think there is a great song in there because musically i love that song but it's not one you're going to catch me singing along to. Uh, I think with more fun, I definitely started to kind of drift off mentally and kind of zone out a little bit more while listening to this album. And this was the song where I started to do that a lot. I think the problem was it didn't, it just failed to really grip me, which I think the best X songs do so well. This, This album's main dilemma is it has a true unmovable centerpiece and you know i think they follow it well devil doll but side two has some weaker ones i mean i I do enjoy it a lot but then you end it with true love part two which i cannot defend that song in any stretch of the imagination uh the whole time i was listening to it i was just thinking to myself this sounds like a bad Talking Heads parody. Yeah, no, it's exactly it. It's it's almost. That's it. <laughs> I was trying to pinpoint it, and you said it. It feels like it's coming from like a snarky, kind of like angry point of view. And when you're trying to parody something, well, they kind of just name drop songs and lyrics. Yeah. In like funny ways, but it's it's also a five minute and seventeen second song. Exactly. If it, it was not... forty five seconds, it would be one thing. But it's yeah. the longest song on the album, I believe, right? Yeah, it's the longest song on the album. It's also the last song on the album. It's a really bad way to close an album. It leads it leaves a weird taste in your mouth. <laughs> All right, enough harping on that one. What are some songs that kind of land in the middle? Um, Hot House kind of just exists for me. It, it it again it's in one year out the other a lot of this album feels like they kind of reach their lyrical peak with i must not think bad thoughts and then it's and a lot of these are just kind of trying to support them with working parts i think there are other great songs we haven't mentioned yet like breathless poor girl true love part one <laughs> i really like painting the town blue as well i think this album is very strong musically like i was driving home listening to this today and like every song just kind of the first five seconds just kind of explode at you and it's like yes but they don't all have the lyrics to back them and i think that's a key part of a song i mean we could debate for hours the role of lyrics versus music in a song and which one is you know graded on heavier curve oh man but musically this one is strong but it's not entirely consistent lyrically. Um, I'd say this is definitely their... I would say their most diverse instrumentally. It has like a lot of diversity to it. It has a lot of different styles of song, and obviously some are better than others, and some work, and some are taken to a a further extent than they should be. I, I think what you're getting at, Nick, is Wild Gift feels effortless those songs are just x and this is them you can feel them sitting down to write these ones so i was lucky enough to actually interview xine my senior year of college and one of the things she said that stuck out to me was when she and john were living together there'd be times when she'd finish writing a verse and she'd like stand up run to the other room and john would be like hey i've got a part and she'd be like me too 
and they just magically fit together. And she just said it was like always being on the same wavelength, even when they weren't in the same room. And I, I'm pretty sure she was talking about the first two albums at that point. And it totally shows like that stuff that doesn't just happen, you know? And I think that's where wild gift stands apart from more fun, the new world, because these are definitely songs. You can tell there were some eraser marks and there were some second takes and things like that. And they aren't all perfect. And it's a very human album, I'd say. But it's also them trying to push further beyond just being a punk band. That's a make or break moment for a lot of bands. And I think this album is a success. It's still a very good album. Yeah. Um, that might kind of be a spoiler. Um, yeah. yeah, I was going it... to say, I don't, <laughs> maybe we just go into it then. What's, what's your pick? What album wins? My pick is Wild Gift. I, I, I'm still thinking about that album, even as we're talking about More Fun in the <laughs> World. I'm still thinking about like, oh, that was a really cool song. Like, oh, that was such a cool guitar part. Oh, man, I can't wait to listen to it when I get home. Like, I'm, I'm still thinking about it. And honestly, with More Fun in the New World, it's like, I was like, yeah, that was good. I'm going to go back to Wild Gift now. <laughs> and, and, you know, not to discredit More Fun in the New World, it's, it is a good album. However, I am definitely more inclined to listen to Wild Gift if I had to choose between the two. I, I got to admit, I was a little hesitant when, Nick, you decided we were going to do these two today. But my first thought was, oh, that's not a fair fight. But then I got thinking, you know, what's a band more remembered for? Is it their best song or their best album? And so I thought it's going to be a good discussion either way. But this is a podcast about albums. I'm going with Wild Gift. Um, I think Los Angeles is X's best album. That is what they're going to go down in history for. I mean, if you want to talk about the best music that came out of that period, I think that's it. You know, you've got an argument with Black Flag, with Damaged. But I don't think there were a lot of perfect albums that came out in that period. And Los Angeles is probably in the conversation for a perfect album. With that being said, Wild Gift is like 1A on X's best albums because it's not going to be remembered as their greatest, but it just has everything you want in an album. You know, it the songs are all different. On a whole, like every song just takes you somewhere different and there's not a drop in quality throughout the whole thing. More Fun The New World has some roller coasters, you know, it's up and down a bit at times. But the first side is incredible. Songs one through seven, there's really not a weak moment. The second half is a little weaker, but it also has, I think, their peak in songwriting. So I think there's a good argument there, too. Which one are they remembered for? Is it going to be Los Angeles or I Must Not Think About Thoughts? Those are the two arguments in my mind, but I think history will probably consider Johnny Hit and Run Pauline as X's one song if you only give them one just because of all the political stuff attached to that one Saras, i think you're kind of our host but i think you know these albums yeah. you are i want to hear what you think more fun in the new world lifts itself up in some ways with i must not think bad thoughts and songs like breathless and then kind of like drops itself down with songs like make the music go bang and true love part two it's just not a completely consistent album while wild gift is a more consistent album through and through 
And yeah, as much as I love More Fun in the New World for being the first album that introduced me to X, I'm going to have to go with Wild Gift. All right. I just wanted to end this episode. I mentioned that I interviewed X scene. And the last question I asked her was, you know, you've been doing this for 40 years now. What do you hope to still accomplish with this band? And her answer just, I loved it. So I'm just going to read you this quote from her. So she said, I like the idea that everything in life for everybody, that your best work is still ahead of you, that your best relationship is still ahead of you, that your best time, your best, most creative moment, your best poem, whatever it is, that it's still ahead of you. And, you know, after four decades of making art, like to hold that hope for yourself and everyone else is just a testament to what X stands for and especially X scene. Yeah, that's Thanks for sharing that with us. Yeah. Well, I'm Sarah Rosa Davies. I'm Nick Miller. I'm Craig Wright. And that'll do it for this week's episode of Split Picks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Split Picks. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode about My Morning Jackets at Dawn and Circuital. If you'd like to stay up to date with all things Split Tooth Media, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud at Split Tooth Media.